Good morning. Y'all ready to hear the word of the Lord today? Yes. You got your expectators on? Your ex, How do you say it? Expectors on? <laughs> now, I can't see you behind the pole, <laughs> so we may have to <laughs> bend. I like to look at everybody in the eyes, because I can, you know, the Holy Spirit can tell me stuff about you. <laughs> Of course, then you're looking at me, so. <laughs> ah, God is so good. He's got an awesome word for us today. You know that? It's his word. Any of his word is awesome, right? But some is just a little special from time to time, you know, as you prepare and as God teaches you and shows you things. So today... We've already invited him to bring forth the word, right? So it's his word. It's not my word. I'm just the vessel. Each one of us are the vessel, right? For whatever God has called us to do, we're the vessel. And he's the one that gets all the credit. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, today my title is called Launch Out Into the Deep. I don't know if any of you have ever heard a message on this before, but I, I heard a message on this a long time ago. And if you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 5, verse 4, that's the verse that we take our text from. And Jesus was saying this to Simon, which is Peter, Simon Peter. He says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now I'm sure that's going to mean something different to every person. <coughs> what does deep mean to you, you know? Excuse me if I have to clear my throat. But we're going to read this scripture in context so we can see what Jesus was meaning by this. So we're going to read uh, starting at verse 1 through 11. And here we find this was actually most probably early morning. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now here it is, early morning, and Jesus is already gathered a multitude of people. Now a multitude is more than one or two, right? A multitude is most probably several hundred at least, maybe even more. And basically, he was getting backed up against the lake. <laughs> more and more people were coming. They were pressing in to hear what he had to say. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. They were preparing for the next day. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, 
and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. So we know water carries voice, doesn't it? And so here, Jesus was pretty smart. Not only did he not have to strain his voice, he didn't have a microphone like I get. <laughs> so he had to speak, and he just sat down. Just sat down and talked to them. It's like, okay. And I bet you anything, he didn't just speak five or ten minutes. <laughs> there was multitudes of people there. They wanted to hear the word of God. And he gave it to them. <laughs> right? That's why they kept coming. So, after he had sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now he's talking to a seasoned fisherman. So I want you to listen to some of his response. Because Simon Peter has lived all of his life on the water, right? Fishing. He'd, he had done so well, he'd gone into business with his friends. They had two boats. So they were prospering. But listen to what he said. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Here's a master fisherman who had toiled all night and he was seeing his business go down the drain. Okay? He was working hard. He did everything he knew to do. He knew the right places to go fishing. But that night, nothing happened. Nothing. Now, I want you to look at the two verses. When Jesus, the fourth verse, Jesus said, Let down your nets for a catch. And Simon Peter said, At your word, I will let down the net. What Jesus was saying is, get those other boys out with their boat too. Both of you get your nets into the water. But okay, you know, I, we've fished all night. I'll, we've been washing our nets. We don't want to have to wash them all over again. We'll we'll put down our net, one net, you know. <laughs> And when they had done this, they went out. They did. You know what? Jesus told them somewhere specific to go. He said, go out into the deep. So he, they didn't just cast off their net a few feet from shore. He told them a specific place to go. 
And then he said, let down your nets. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. And their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. In other words, God supplied so much back. He multiplied so much that their boats were about to sink. They were overloaded. <laughs> when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. <laughs> God took their natural abilities and put his supernatural ability into it. And he says, you're going to catch men now. Who knows? Maybe some of the skills that they had learned they could use for catching men. I don't know. But God showed them where to fish, where to cast down their net. And at his word, with their obedience, they got in a huge haul. But notice in verse 11, when they brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. Huh. They said, okay, you guys that are working for us, it's your catch. You know, you take care of it. We're forsaking all this. We're going to just do what God wants us to do. We're following after him. Doesn't matter that we've spent 20, 30 years learning how to fish. We are now going to go and do whatever he says. Because if he can know where the fish are and give us such a haul, and it's going to pay off all of our bills, it's going to pay off those boats, it's going to pay our workers, it's going to pay our household, all the needs that we have, then we can trust him to take care of us day by day by day. Amen? So I think that each one of us can get something out of that. Don't you think so? You know, like I said, that'll mean something different to each one of us because we're from all different kinds of walks. But we all have basically the same needs. 
basically, we need the finances to take care of our family, to pay our housing, to buy our food, to buy our clothes. Basically, it's all the same, right? But he knows how to get it to us. Amen? So anytime that we start getting a little worried about something, we can remember Jesus said to launch out into the, with the boat and go out into the deep. So I want you to see another verse in 1 Corinthians. It's actually starting at 26. And you might say, oh, but, you know, I'm nobody special. I've not had any training. Well, guess what? Those fishermen, all they knew was how to fish. Verse 26 in chapter 1. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many, many mighty, not many noble are called. How come? But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. So anytime you start making excuses, <laughs> remember these verses. God's chosen the things that look foolish. And you know what? Most of the time, we're the ones that are thinking that about ourselves. There might not be another person that's thinking that about you, but yourself. So what if they do? God has picked the foolish things to confound the wise. And he's chosen the base things of, this wor of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. And here's the reason. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Guess what? We're not built to carry the glory for ourselves. We carry his glory, his glory that he puts on us. The world can see it. But no flesh should glory in his presence. He is the one that gets the glory. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom. We need wisdom. He became that. The wisdom of God and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. You know, if we 
think that we've done something and we've made something of ourselves, then what happens? We become prideful. We become thinking that we're better than somebody else. That we can do it better. So why have the other person do it when we can do it better? Well, God has a body. Jesus, we are the body of Christ. And he's called each one of us to a certain uh, avenue to work in, to do. And not one looks like the other. If you look at your hands, okay, you got five fingers, got two hands. But if you look real close, not one of those fingers looks exactly like the other one. Fingerprints, not one, is the same as the other. That's because God makes us very individual. And you know what? He can tell exactly who's in position. And he can maneuver things around to get you in the right position. And sometimes it takes a while. It takes training. But remember what the, the Pharisees and them said about Peter and John? Well, they are just unlearned men. But they noted that they had been with Jesus. That's what made the difference. If we take the time to be with Jesus... It makes a whole world of difference. Amen? You know, sometimes when we have a call of God on us, and each one of us has the call of God, we try to reproduce it ourselves in our own strength, in our own ability. And I've experienced this several times throughout my life. And I thought it was really fitting today with what I'm speaking on and the fact that next week we're having testimonies that I would share a little bit of my testimony because a lot of you don't really know me. You see me, <laughs> you smile, but you don't really know me. So I'm going to share a little bit of my life story today so you can know me better. And hopefully none of you have put me on a pedestal. Every person you put on a pedestal is going to come crashing down, okay? I don't want to be the one crashing down, okay? <laughs> so... <clears throat> I was born when my parents were going to God's Bible School in Cincinnati, Ohio. They were training to be missionaries, ministers. In fact, my mother went to school hoping to find somebody who had a missionary call because she had a call to the mission field. Well, she found him. <laughs> ah. Because they were following God and, and the ministry and all that, 
I learned about the Lord, and at a very young age, I received Jesus as my Savior. Now, it's debatable whether I was three or whether I was five. I always thought I was five. My dad said I was three, backslid, and got resaved again at five. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> but back then, he taught a lot about backsliding, okay? <clears throat> so, everywhere we went, he was always preaching. He was an evangelist, so... I remember this one time, I was still young, about six or seven, and we were having revival in an attic of the house. Now, you know, this isn't a very big attic. Attic. Anyway, um, I don't remember if there was anybody there, <laughs> but we had a pulpit, most probably this size, up in this attic, and I remember chairs. But he had me preach my first sermon when I was about six or seven, and he put this little soapbox or whatever next to it and had me stand up on it and preach my first message. I can't tell you what I spoke about, I can't remember anybody except my dad was there. <laughs> I think he stood there with me the whole time. I don't know. <clears throat> but that was, you know, I didn't preach for a long time after that. <laughs> but at least I, I started out young. <laughs> uh, oh, dear Lord. I've had a lot of experiences with, with God uh, throughout the years. Um, I hesitated to say this because people think different things, but when I was pretty young, most probably seven to eight, something like that, I actually saw my guardian angel. And I was getting ready to go down into this dark basement and all of a sudden he was just standing in the doorway I knew immediately who he was no wings just a big long robe never said a word I just look I just knew who he was and so I ran to get dad say come and see of course by the time we got back there he was gone <laughs> But I've never forgotten that. And there's been times when it's helped carry me through some things. But it's like, okay, not, not everybody sees an angel. And I haven't seen him since, but I know he's there because of his, the word of God, right? God says that he gives the angels to us to watch over us and protect us. I've seen many times when it had to be an angel that protected me. I'm sure each and every one of you have been in a car and all of a sudden it stopped or somebody whizzed by you and it's like, boy, <laughs> that was close. 
Uh, one time our car just came to a dead stop. I mean, there was not enough room to stop in front of the car. Not a phase. You know, we were fine. But God has angels watching over us. And they're there to help us. Um, so anyway, I sensed this call of God on my life and I wanted, I thought I was going to go to Africa. Because as, as a 12-year-old child, we went to Africa, to Liberia. I was there three years. And I be, wanted to become a nurse so I could go back and help. I wanted to make clinics and have, you know, help people. That was in my heart. Didn't God say to go to all the world? <laughs> so I was going to go to Africa. Well, then I got married very young, at the age of 17 and a half, to a guy from South Africa, five days after graduating from high school. Think of Brianna. At this point, Brianna would have been married, okay? I left my country and went to this strange country to people I didn't know, and I became a nurse. And I had married somebody that I thought had the same vision as I did, but that didn't prove out to be true. In South Africa, I had my two beautiful children, Michelle Rose, who you all know as Shelly. To me, she's still Michelle Rose. <laughs> and Michael James. Both Michelle and Michael mean to be like God. That's mama picked out those names. So I had so many prom promises and blessings from God, but my marriage became very difficult and I realized that my husband did not have the same vision that I did. In fact, when the kids were born, he basically said, we're not going to the mission field. Well, that was my vision. I became very disappointed in life, even to the point of wanting to commit suicide for a long time. But I kept clinging to God. Even though I did not understand what was happening, I still clung to him. Somehow, I knew he loved me. I just didn't understand what was going on. I even got filled with the Holy Spirit in 1976. That was great. Didn't change my marriage, but... I was always involved in the church and women's groups and started Bible studies for women's and involved in women's aglow. And while preparing to lead praise and worship one day, God revealed to me who I was in the scriptures. And I've preached on this before, but we're going to read it again. Isaiah chapter 61 it came alive to me. You ever read something and it just jumps out and it's like life, it 
It's just real to you. And I realized that this scripture was the same scripture that Jesus read in Luke chapter 4. And this is what his first message that he preached. So starting at verse 1 through 3, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I found that I was able to use this in all of the women's groups that I had, preaching, when my husband and I pastored church and all that sort of thing. This would come alive. The Spirit of the Lord. See, it's not us. And this is the same for each one of us. God can take these scriptures and make them real to you for whatever your calling is. Because it doesn't matter whether you have a call into the ministry. You can still touch someone, heal them, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover is for every one of us to do. Comfort those who mourn. Whenever we lose somebody, there's a mourning that goes on. We're supposed to comfort people. Reassure them. Hey, they're, if they're born again, they're in a better place. They don't want to come back. Amen? Maybe they're mourning because of some other kind of loss. But that's what God has us doing. And all of this is possible because Jesus lives inside of us. If you don't have Jesus inside of you, forget it. You have no power, no authority, except what the devil gives you. Who wants that? So, we want to look at Revelations chapter 12, and we're going to read 10 and 11. Verse 10, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. 
Can you say amen? amen. There's coming a day when we're not going to be accused anymore. But we have an intercessor, right? Who sits at the right hand of God the Father. Verse 11, and they overcame him. Who did they overcome? Satan, the devil, the accuser. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. He did the heavy lifting. Amen? And by the word of their testimony, they added their faith to it. Without your faith, it's not going to do you one bit of good what Jesus did for you. Jesus has done it for the whole earth. But it's those who receive him by faith and trust him that's going to overcome and they did not love their lives to the death. In other words, they gave themselves to the Lord, just like Peter and John and them did after Jesus showed them what he could do bringing the fish in. They just threw themselves down at his feet, knowing that he was God and that he would take care of their needs. And that's what we're to do. Just give our lives to him. 100%. Trust him in everything. Who said it was easy? Because the tempter is there. He's going to bombard you with all kinds of things. He's going to accuse you and say you're not good enough to receive. He's going to say all this garbage. And that's what it is. It's a smokescreen. It's lies. He doesn't want you to see the truth. And so he's going to put, feed your mind with all these things. He's going to have people say things to you that's going to make you feel less than who you are. Amen? But we overcome. Amen? Well, back to my story. <laughs> well, I'm not going to keep you forever here. <laughs> so God then led me to Rhema Bible Training Center. And I had so many questions. i got to have answers. How come this is going on? Why? Just gone through a church split. Things were not good in my marriage. Why, Lord, I've dedicated myself to you. I gave my kids to the Lord. I said, Lord, I can't. If you don't take care of them, they're going to turn out terrible. Well, you know what? In just a few months, God had answered all my questions. And then, of course, I went on for a couple years to learn more about the word and it came alive amen i was a christian i was even filled with the holy spirit but i wasn't getting what i needed to answer those questions god i you know sometimes when you're in the midst of everything you can't think clearly 
You can't see the word. You're so down under the situation. You haven't learned to cast it all on the Lord. Cast it on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He watches over you. He even assigns an angel to you. Amen? So, I finished Bible school, but my life was still a mess. <laughs> and after nearly 25 years, my marriage came to an end. And I thought, oh, now I'm really a failure. I got the word, I've been to Bible school, <laughs> everything, and my marriage still fell apart. But you know, it takes more than one individual. In a marriage, there's two. And you can't force the other person. I mean, I had done everything to get him into Rhema too. I sat the whole first year with an empty chair next to me. I'm thinking, God? But anyway, God still really intervened in my life. But you know what? Sometimes, even though all these good things are going on, we still try to do things in our own strength. We get a vision or something from God, and off we go. We're going to go and do what God has called us to do. And we forget to ask him every step. Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I put my net in here, or should I put my net in over here? So, I still was messing up. But God never failed me. He always took care of me. And he still wanted me. <laughs> Even though I kept messing up, he still wanted me. Now, how can that be? That the God of the universe would want little old me. Uh, what a mess I was. And still am sometimes. <laughs> but God wanted it. But did you know... <laughs> that he only has imperfect vessels to use. <laughs> There's not a one of us that's perfect. If you think you're perfect, you better come down here and let us pray for you. <laughs> he wants ones that are yielded to him. Yeah, I always heard the vessel, the crack pot, you know, is full of holes. <laughs> God wants us all. He knows how to fill the holes up. <laughs> all we do is say, Lord, this is what I've got. If you can do anything with it, just take me and use me. <laughs> and then that is why he gets all the glory. Amen? <laughs> we are supposed to be vessels that will contain his glory. But he's got to fill up those holes. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> the glory just keeps leaking out. <laughs> just keeps leaking out. And there's, it's like, well, I did pretty good yesterday, but what's wrong today? <laughs> well, somehow that, there's another hole that needs to be fixed. <laughs> but, 
Well, yes, I got married again to someone I thought had the same vision. <laughs> but guess what? <laughs> Come to find out, his vision started changing and it's not the same anymore. It's like the Lord. But, you know, with God, all things are possible to them who believe. So, I don't give up yet, right? You just keep on believing. And I know he's a Christian, so we're going to be up in heaven together. <laughs> you just don't understand sometimes life. But God takes us where we're at. He'll use us where we're at. So I want us to turn to Philippians. Are any of you turning with me or are you just using the screen? <laughs> the word, you can always take your Bible or your phone home with you and see it. You can't take those screens home with you. I don't think that would be a good idea. <laughs> Some of us might want that size of a TV screen, but that doesn't work. Okay, so Philippians 1, 6, we're going to read it first in the New King James Version. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's not finished with us yet. Amen? He, it's his job to complete the work in us. We think we got to do it. Well, yes, we have to be yielded. But being confident of this very thing, that he has begun the work in us, and he will complete it, in the day of Jesus Christ. Now let's look at it in the Amplified Classic. And I have to read that one. <laughs> and I am convinced and sure of this very thing. That he who began a good work in you. Will continue until the day of Jesus Christ. Right up to the time of his return. He's not going to stop. Amen. Developing that good work and perfecting and bringing to it full completion in you. Amen? Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah? He's not finished with us yet. And even when we think we've made it, we've still got a little ways to go. <laughs> if you compare us to him, and that's who we are supposed to compare to, right? We're to become like Christ. The world is supposed to see Christ in us. And if all they see is us, well, why would they want Christ? But Christ is the anointed one. And he puts the anointing on us. Hallelujah. Each one of us have that anointing. So we're going to turn to Philippians 3, just a page over. And we're going to read 12 through 14. 
not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are past. What did we say? Forgetting those things which are behind, actually. They're past, they're behind. And reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus, the Anointed One. So, if we look at this, he says, now, Paul wrote this, and he had talked about all the things, he listed all the things good in his life and things that had happened. And then he says, I forgot, I forget all of those things. And what he was saying is, I forget all the bad things that happened to me. That's not what I focus on. I even forget all the good things that I have done in the past, that God has done through me. Oh, he worked miracles through me and did this and do that. He says, I forget the past. And I, what counts is what I'm doing with the future. From now on, it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you did this morning. It doesn't matter what you did 10 years ago. You know, Satan has a great way of throwing up your past to you. Or... If he can get you to think on all the accomplishments, you might get a little proud. Say, I can do that. I don't need to pray about this. I got it. Hmm. I'm trying to help you avoid some of the pitfalls that I have been through in life. <laughs> it hasn't been easy, let me tell you. But then he said, I press. You know, that's work. Press. So what do you do when you press? You come up alongside something and you, I gotta move this. And you press. I gotta move this pulpit. It's not in the right spot. But it's as big as I am. But I'm pressing towards the goal that he's given me, right? Not the one I made for myself. I'm pressing towards that goal for the prize that he's going to give me when I get before him. Because he has promised rewards. There's rewards for serving the Lord. Anyway, let's go to the Amplified. Not that I have now attained this ideal, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to lay hold of and grasp 
and make my own that for which Christ Jesus the Messiah has laid hold of me and made me his own. So we want what God wants for us, right? We press for that. Amen? Verse 13. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet. But one thing I do, it is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining towards that, forward to what lies ahead. I press towards the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. You know, it's always upward. It's, it's uphill. <laughs> Maybe that's why sometimes it seems so hard sometimes. We're going uphill. But he, he, he helps us, right? He just lifts us up and says, here, come along, come along. <laughs> He lifts us up. Amen? So we forget the good and the bad because our foundation is on the Lord, right? Not on our own efforts. Not on what we have done. Not on what we've accomplished. Not on our failures, for sure. So recently, God is stirring in my heart again these scriptures, Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. As you know, I've preached on it before. And then Luke 5, 4. Launch out. But you know what? These scriptures aren't just for me. They've been written to the body of Christ. And he's looking for people that will answer the call. You know, sometimes we answer the call and then we just kind of let it slide. And then we hear him tenderly calling us again. And so, okay, let's get back on track. So we're back on track and we go a little ways and then, oh, we get distracted. But he keeps after us, doesn't he? Why? Because he loves us so much. And you know what? He needs us. If we could really comprehend that, he needs us to complete the work that he left here on this earth to complete. When Jesus left, he says, I'm going away, but I'm multiplying myself through you guys. So you go and do. You lay hands on the sick. You are my hands, you are my feet. I will go with you and help you. So when we go and we lay hands on somebody, don't think it's you doing it. His hands are being laid on somebody. If we don't lay our hands on somebody, his hands are not getting laid on them. And maybe they really need it. Maybe they need, just need that arm around them saying, you know, I love you. 
we can make this, you know, we can get through this together. Sometimes all they need is showing just a little love. Anyway, Jesus has done his part, right? And it's time for us to do our part. To pick up the banner, to pick up the torch, to do our part. So I'm challenging you today. <laughs> I'm challenging you to join me. <laughs> I sure can't do it. Not by myself. <laughs> but each one of us has a position and a place. We need to each one pray and say, God, what is it you wanting me to do? I'm willing, Lord. Show me. Show me what I'm to do. And you know, sometimes we have to just keep pressing into that. Keep, Because sometimes it doesn't come easy. I think sometimes the Lord just kind of holds off telling us just to see how much we really mean it. Do you really mean that? You're going you're gonna to follow after me with all your heart? Are you going to give me every area of your heart? Or are you just going to give me a little portion of it? I'll use whatever you give me. But he wants all of us. Amen? So be brave. Launch out. <laughs> Launch out into the deep where you might have been afraid to go before. Maybe that's deep waters out there. You haven't quite perfected this swimming thing. <laughs> go beyond the point of safety. Oh, safety in what? In our own strength and ability? No, we got to go beyond the safety in the natural. But how can we do that? Because he's in the boat with us. He's telling us where to go. He doesn't expect us to do it alone. He told them where to cast their net. And guess what? Great was their reward for their obedience. There is a reward for following after him. And he desires for everyone. He wants to pour out his blessings on us. His desire is to pour it out. You say, well, where is it then? He's waiting on us. And sometimes we just got to get before him and say, Lord, what is it? What, what are you wanting of me? And then listen. Listen to what he has to say. Amen? Amen. Amen.